Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Good morning. Good morning, Antioch Church. And I, I do want to say welcome. If you are here for the first time, I, I, I was told that we do have some parents with their students, college students here. So if that's you or anyone else joining us for the first time, welcome to our church. We are really, we're really glad you're here. My name is Ben Wickle, and I'm one of the pastors. And uh, it's a joy. It's a joy to worship Jesus with you this morning. Uh, I do want to we love giving away books as resources, and these have to do with what we're going to be getting into today, but I have three great resources. If anyone wants one, one is called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Come on. All right, you are already up to... It's a classic. Yes. All right. A.W. Tozer. All right. Come on, Tozer fans here. Pursuit of God. Who wants this? Just get up. Come and get it. Come and get it. And, wow. Who, who's going to pursue the Lord? <laughs> yes. Okay, one more, one more. Uh, this is like a modern-day version of the practice of the presence. It's present perfect by Gregory Boyd. So this is a, a modern-day version of that. So last one. I mean, anyone want? Okay, yes, please. We have more. We'll get more. There you go. All right. Okay, we are in a series that is going through the five spheres of healthy church. If we could put the graphic up, and let me explain what the five spheres are. We've been going through these. These are the places that the Bible uh, prescribes, describes, where we can go to grow spiritually. So we believe that we can grow spiritually in our individual relationship with Jesus, the quiet place, the secret place, your quiet time, devotional life. Sphere two is the D group, groups of two to three or two to four, usually guys with guys, girls with girls, where there's high accountability, the the exchange of just vulnerability, heart sharing. Then we have sphere three, we call it life groups, but that's the house-to-house gathering. They, They met house to house, it says in Acts 2. Then there's sphere four, which is the the gathered church. That's what is happening this morning, Sunday morning, or sometimes if you ever go to a conference, that's the gathered meeting. God shows up there. And then lastly, sphere number five is the church on mission. You can grow spiritually by being on mission outside of these four walls. And we, as, as a church, believe that we want to go after all of these. And for the past couple weeks and for the next several weeks, we're going to continue to go through them. And last week, Steve, Pastor Steve, does anyone remember what sphere he he covered? Sphere number one. And it was awesome. It was all about waiting on the Lord, and waiting on the Lord is is a way we respond to him. And in fact, I want to take an additional week at sphere number one, because our relationship with Jesus is so, so important. If you look at Any and every great man and woman of faith in history, you will find that they have a rich devotional life. You can't have kingdom impact without having real, robust, personal relationship with Jesus. 
Your intimacy with Jesus will determine your fruitfulness as a disciple. You've heard us say it like this. You want to know the secret to the Christian walk? It's the secret place. Our lives were never meant to be about performing for him. It's about communing with him. I guess what I'm trying to articulate is that the, the sphere, the first one, it is the fuel. It's the, it's the oil that, 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 that flows through the rest of them, especially as we get outside of these four walls. So we want to take an additional week. And here's the outline. I love to give an outline at the beginning of the sermon just to let you know where we're going to go. And this outline is very familiar. You probably learned about this in, in, in grade school. But I want the who, what, when, where, why, the W questions plus the how. Okay? I've changed the order a little bit. We're going to talk about the why, the who, the what, then the where, when, and then finally the how. And this is my goal. My goal this morning, our objective is that there would be a, a stirred hunger in you for the secret place that you would renew those vows with the Lord. I, I just recently was reading about the, this great evangelist, Rodney Gypsy Smith. They called him Rodney Gypsy Smith. Steve, if you remember, this, this was an old evangelist of the 1800s, and he was born in poverty, yet he, he was able to speak before presidents. He, was, he didn't have an education, yet he had a chance to, to preach at Harvard. He's an incredible evangelist, and he traveled back and forth uh, from England to, to the Americas in the 1800s like 45 times, which was a lot considering the lack of transportation back then. And millions of people would hear the gospel. And so he, he gathered a bunch of leaders one day, and they were like, hey, how do we see it? How do we see the revival? How do we see the passion you know, hit our streets and our churches? And he, he gave this, this famous quote, and some of you may have heard of it, but he said, here's the secret. He said, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within the circle. Start there. Start there. And, man, just imagine if, if one person in this church did that. Imagine if, if there's a hundred of us that would recommit ourselves to the secret place. So let's, let's begin with the Why? And I'm going to invite, I love to do this occasionally, so I'm going to invite the congregation to participate a little bit with me here. So it's fine if you shout out an answer. But what are some of the reasons of, of why we pursue the Lord? Why do we seek him in the quiet place? Okay, so it's okay. You can be a little loud here. So what, what's, what's a reason why? You can give me a reason why. Comfort. comfort. We, we find comfort in his presence. Brad. Oh, I thought you were going to transformation. We get transformed in his presence. We receive comfort. Oh, I thought you were blurting out. That's why I called on you. All right. Yes. Joy. There's joy in his presence, right? Fullness of joy in his presence. Anything else? What, what is another reason, Chris? Healing. We find healing in his presence. Life. Oh my goodness. These are, these are really, really good reasons. Yes, Sam. Rest. There's rest. Well, you guys, this is good. I'm going to, might as well just Go down, and you guys just keep preaching. This is awesome. Uh, let me give you a list, a list of why, okay? Here's a, here's, there's a bunch of these, all right, if you're taking notes. One reason why, why we're invited to the secret places is, one, it's, it's, it's a response. First John 4, 19, he, we love because 
He first loved us. So we, we are first responders. We are first responders. I remember when I was in college, the Lord showed me this, one of the most incredible lessons. I was, it was at that time in my life, I was learning for the first time to cultivate a personal like walk with Jesus where I should spend time with him. And admittedly, it was really being fueled by discipline and duty. That's what I had to do. And, and it was working for, for a while. I remember getting up one morning before classes were starting, and I'm, just, it's, I'm tired, and I, 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 but I'm doing it because I, I know it was good. I know I should do it. I'm getting up. I'm trying to get ready to pray and worship and open up my Bible, but I'm kind of struggling. And I, I just, I'll never forget this. I feel like I heard the Lord say, hey, I want to show you something. In fact, all I want to do this morning, this is what he told me, all I want to do this morning is just love you. Which was weird at the time because I, I was just used to just, I got to pour it out. I got to pour myself out to him. I got to pour myself out to him. And he flipped it on me. He flipped it on me. And for the next 10, 15 minutes, I just got on my knees and, and there was this overwhelming sense. It felt like a wave of God's love and kindness. I was just crying. I was like, Lord, I, I, this feels so non-religious because I, I'm not doing anything but just receiving your love. And from that point forward, I, I wish I could say it was every day, but the lesson that I'm, I've learned is that when you start your time with Jesus, just begin, oh, just, just, just receive. And I know we want to perform, but just, just receive. You could just say, pray, pray this, if you, especially if you have a struggle, all right? You're struggling to get up into it and get into it. Just begin. Every day you have permission 100% of the time for the rest of your life to begin your quiet time going, and it may sound selfish, Lord, I just need you to show me how much you love me. And then just picture him on the cross, his blood being shed because the value of something is determined by what? By what you're willing to pay for it. And when you begin to see how much he paid do you then begin to realize how much he loves you? Start there. That's why we seek him in the quiet place. Here's another one, number two. He promises to reward us, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Admittedly, the, fa- the affections aren't always there, all right? I would be lying to you if I got up and it was like, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to pour out my heart. I'm going to receive. Sometimes it's lacking. So God in his goodness, he, he, he loves to motivate. He goes, I'll, I'll reward you. I'll reward you. And that, those rewards could be wisdom. It could be the peace, the joy, the comfort, the, some of the things you mentioned, the anointing. Here's another reason. We are helpless without him. John 15, 5. This is a famous verse. A lot of you guys know this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And listen to this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Not some things, not few things, but nothing. Think about that. Our self-sufficiency Our self-reliance thinks we can do some things. And we may actually do some things. But Jesus is coming back for fruit that remains. We are helpless without him. 
Here's another reason of why we seek him. We sung about it. He brings freedom. Someone was talking about that earlier. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what, church? There's freedom. When we get in his presence, he brings, brings freedom. Number five, why we seek him. It works. We actually bear fruit. We, we, we get transformed. We become like him. Galatians 6, 7 through 9, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. This is Paul writing this to the church of Galatians. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Could the lack of fruit in our lives, the spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, could the lack of the fruit of the Spirit in our life be because we stopped sowing into the secret place. We stop sowing into prayer. We stop reading our, reading our Bible. We stop worshiping. I had a, just, a, just a heart-wrenching conversation with a, a young adult many years ago, and th- this person was just telling me just a lot of stuff was going on in their life, and things were going wrong, their struggles, and, and, and I, I, I just happened to think th- this question, which has become a very, very common question in our discipleship relationships. I said, hey, how long has it been since you spent time with Jesus? Like, you know, at least 20 minutes, just in the Word or prayer or worship, just really simple, non-judgmental. I asked it in a very non-judgmental way, and, and they just said, yeah, well, it's, it's been about four months. And I was like, oh, man, my heart just broke. Not because she was not performing some religious duty, but that there was just this lack of, Sowing in the spirit, and I, and I believe it wasn't maybe the only reason that was going, stuff was going on in her life, but I think that was a part of it. She stopped tending to the garden of her soul. Here's another reason why we seek him. Invitation to friendship with him. I love this verse, Psalm 25, 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. In some of your Bibles, it has a little footnote for next to friendship. And if you look at the footnote, it says, the secret counsel. The secret counsel of the Lord. The Lord is inviting, he's inviting us to be with the triune self that he is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a secret friendship that he's, he's wanting to show us the things that are on his heart. Finally, number seven we're at war. Psalm 91, 9 and 10. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place the most high, who is, your, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. I know a lot of you know this, but I'm just going to ask it again. Do you know that you have an enemy and he hates you? He's like a lion that wants to devour you and one of his greatest strategies is to hinder intimacy to disrupt the secret place. I'm just proposing this, but could, could some of the spiritual warfare, could some of the anxiety or the lack of wisdom or the irritation that you feel at home or at your boss, could think of just fill in the blank, negative emotion, fill in the blank that you deal with. Could some of it be because you get up and you don't suit up. You get up, but you don't suit up. And you don't, when you get out in the world, you're just, 
you're just getting lit up. All right. You get up, you don't suit up, then you get lit up. All right. I just came up with that. All right. All right. Someone twit that or something, okay? You get up, but you don't suit up, so you get lit up. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. If I don't spend time with Jesus, I feel it, but my wife feels it. <laughs> my kids feel it. Let's look at the, we have a list, a master list of all seven of them. Take a look at that list right here. Just look at them. If that list had just one reason, it would be sufficient. If there was just one of them, I'd be sold. But the Bible gives us at least seven. We could have, I, I got ten, if I had ten more minutes, we'd go for ten more. You could help me figure it out. We have a whole bunch of why. Let's look at who. Let's talk about the who. Well, that's easy, Pastor. It's you and Jesus. I already got it. Let's move on. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have a thought for you. What if the reason we have a struggle, that we struggle with inconsistency in our quiet life or devotional life or secret place, what if some of the reason is because we really don't know who we're meeting with? A revelation of who God is fuels hunger in our lives. And when I say revelation, I mean, God, I need God. I need you to reveal yourself to my human heart. And when God shows us who he is, it fuels it. So, for instance, when you meet with God, you're meeting, it's you and the king. It's you and the king. Last couple weeks, a lot of media attention. The queen of England, and for what I've heard, she's an incredible woman of history. You guys probably saw it. For like two weeks straight, every headline, a lot of the major news stations was... There's this coverage and coverage and coverage. I, I love soccer, soccer fans, so they had this little article that caught my eye, David Beckham. All right, maybe, some of you maybe saw this. How long did he stand in line to go just pay his honor and respects? Did any of you guys see the article? Yeah, 16 hours. 16 hours. He stood in line to, to show honor, to show honor. People from all around the world came. And for, for all intended purposes, it was probably justified. They showed honor. What about... The king of kings. What if you got an invite to Buckingham Palace? Now, I know we're Americans, so the whole royalty thing is like, eh. You know, some of you would be like, if I got an invite to the White House, I'd, I'd never go. I mean, kind of, we're kind of weird. We don't really get honor of royalty that much. But imagine you're an English citizen, right? You get an invite to Buckingham. You're clearing your schedule. You're getting dressed up. You're not turning that down, right? You're going to meet with the king, the queen, a day spent with them. You are so excited, right? Now, for 99.9% of us, we will never get that invite. But for 100% of us, we have the invite, unhindered access to the throne room. We get the invite, and we, we, we leave it unchecked in our inbox, Right? We put maybe. That's how we are. He's the king of kings. He's the liberator. Talked a little bit about this. You're meeting with the liberator, the savior. Man, I love the word of God. 
He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. There's no sin. There's no bondage. There's nothing that you're dealing with that he can't deliver you from. And he's inviting you into that. That's, he, wants to, he wants you to come spend time with him, the deliverer. He's the healer. He's the healer. Jehovah Rapha. That's the Hebrew. Rapha means the Lord, our healer. 2,000 years ago, he shed his blood so that by his stripes, we could be healed. We believe that it's God's will to heal. He will heal you, if not now, at the day of resurrection. I admit, the timing is sometimes hard to discern. But guess what? We will be healed because he purchased it. He's the healer. He's the wise counselor. It's you and the wise counselor. What does James say? If any of you lack wisdom, what do you got to do? Just ask, and he loves to give. He loves to give. I don't know about you, but there's not a day in my life where I need help. I need wisdom about relationships, about marriage, about my job. What do I need to do? Every day, Lord, I need, we need wisdom. This verse is guaranteed that I don't have to make another dumb decision for the rest of my life. Yet I make them every day. Problem's not on his end, it's on mine. I ask, but what does asking imply? We gotta listen. We're asking, but we gotta listen. We gotta make space to hear, to journal. And 20 minutes a week, in the Word, compared to two hours a day on social media, you're not going to have a lot of wise counsel. You've got to listen. Here's another who. It's you and the beloved. It's you and the beloved. And I get it. There's probably a lot of people here like me. You struggle with self-acceptance, rejection, insecurity. That, that's been a lifelong journey of experiencing freedom for me. But one thing I know is that he, his affections for me never change. We like to say this, he won't love you any better when you become better. He just loves you. He's the beloved. So to recap, he's the king, the liberator, the healer, the wise counselor, the beloved. This is the who, and there's probably way more. We could take another, we'll have all of eternity to go through the endless list of his attributes. But that's the who that's inviting to you. Will you say yes? What about the what? Up until this point, I admit, I've been presuming that you understand what I mean when I say the secret place, the, the, the quiet, your devotional life. It's been abstract. So here you go. Here's four ways. They're broad categories of what spending time with Jesus can look like. They're broad, and there's likely overlap. So picture the Venn diagram, right? Picture four circles, Venn diagram in your head. There, there's overlap here, okay? Four broad ways. We, got, we can put, put them up there. There's word, there's worship, there's prayer, there's contemplation. That's being still, listening. These are four broad categories, and likely you have a preference. Your personality will lend itself to one of the four, especially when you're first getting started. You're like, there's some people who are the word people, do we got any, like, that's you. You're the word people. We got some word people. You find these people, they, 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 they kind of like, oh, the worship prayer, it's kind of a little too emotional. No, just get me in the word. They likely have an ESV study Bible at home. They have a commentary. They love to talk about commentary. You can recognize them. Sometimes they're the people that when you're talking about the Bible, you're like, yeah, I mean, the word of God says, and they're like, oh, that's 1 Corinthians 5, too. How did you, well, that's second, that's second John. You know, they just can pull out the references. They're word people. 
They really value the renewing of their minds, studying to show themselves approved. They combat, biblical illiteracy is a big thing on their hearts, right? These are word people. You may be like that, which is awesome. Then you have worship people. You know who you are if you're the worship person. The, your alarm wakes up to just, I am a friend of, like it just turns. He just starts off worship the moment you wake up in the car. You ever seen the people? You know the worship people in the car. You're like, put your hands on the wheel. Stop. Don't raise your hands. You'll bring us all in the glory. I'm not ready to worship there. You got worship for every, for every season. You give prophetic words through songs. Hey, I got, I, I got a song for you. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, you need a, you, your counsel, the word people will give really good counsel. Just, hey, there's a scripture, put it on my heart. The worship people will be like, no, there's a song you need to hear. Just listen to this, and you will be transformed. <laughs> that, that's the worship people. Those are the worship people. They're the people, the worship people are the folks that they just, I don't know how, they got people, some, I won't say names, but they, they know when every song comes out five seconds ago. I'm like, how did you know that there's a new song? Okay, that's awesome. I am not that person. I think I, not long ago I went to Chris Jolly. I'm like, Jolly, college pastor. I said, man, you got to check out this song. They're no longer a slit. He's like, dude, that's like 10 years old. I'm like, dude, I didn't know that. That's not me. Then you have the prayer folks. The prayer folks. Their motor is, they get going because they just like talking out loud. And it's, Father God, Jesus, Father God, Jesus, Father God, Jesus, Father God, Jesus. Like they just have multiple names for God and they just use them always side by side. They love pouring out their hearts. And then there's the contemplative folks. These people are like, give me a book on the church fathers and let me sit on a rock in the woods and I'll be fine. It's being still, it's meditation. It's Francis Schaeffer and black tea. It's, they got a journal Bible for every translation. They got 45 moleskin notebooks. They're just ready to journal. Those are the contemplative folks. Here, the bottom line is, everyone's got a preference. Celebrate it, be you, but there comes a point as you age and develop in the Lord and mature that you need to expand it a little bit. I heard a really cool story by Jimmy Seibert. He's a, the pastor of Antioch in Waco. And he was discipling a guy about his age, so another dude in, in their 40s, uh, into how to spend time with Jesus. And they were going through these four ways. And the guy that he was discipling was the epitome of a word guy. Very cerebral, non-emotive, but loved Jesus and was willing to expand a little bit of his experience with Jesus. And so he was willing to go, hey, Jimmy, can help me become a worshiper? And so Jimmy was like, all right, all right, let's get together. And so they were getting together in his office, this guy's office, and, and he's like, all right. And Jimmy knew he was in a little trouble because the guy, when he, they turn on the music to start worshiping, like the guy just, he had a hard time just moving. So Jimmy was like, all right, let's start simple. Just let's, let's raise our hands. And so the guy was like, <clears throat> and, and for the first time, I don't think his elbows got much higher, but that was okay. The next time they got together, it was like, okay, let's, let's do one foot. Let's do one foot. And then 
it took a couple weeks, but eventually, Jimmy, Jimmy describes how he's meeting with this guy, and this guy is just going all out for Jesus. And what was maybe presumed to be, oh, he's, his default is just the word, he just came alive. He's experiencing a nature of, of the heart of God that he didn't know, but he had to be stretched out of his comfort zone a little bit. Let's talk about the where. Does location matter? Do you remember before Jesus, he gave the, the famous the Lord's Prayer? I think it's in Luke's version. It says that the disciples found, it's what prompted them to ask Jesus to teach them how to pray is that they saw him, and the text says, in a certain place. Jesus had a certain place to pray. How about when he then goes on to instruct the disciples on how to pray, he says, go into your room, shut your door. Location seems to matter. And then, this is interesting, in Acts 2, go look at it. The Holy Spirit fills, before it fills and comes on the disciples, what does the text say? It says, it fills the room. The presence of God would, would fill a space. The, the ancient Celtic Christians had a nickname for it. They called it thin places. They were like these geographic spots that there was something interesting about that, that just it helped the disciple foster greater intimacy and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Now, as, as a parent with four young kids, finding silence and solitude has been challenging. Let's just say that. 6 a.m., the, the lions emerge from the den. <laughs> and, and it's been challenging. And I, I've this struggled, and I know there are parents who struggle with that. Uh, and and, and I, I've made the mistake of comparing myself to myself when I was in college. When you had, oh, I, had a, I didn't think I had a lot of time in college. No, I had a lot of time in college. And I, and I compared myself, and so I, I struggled with that for, for, the, for the past year and a half. And, and thankfully, the Lord just began to show me creative ways. Hey, you can, you know, what about your drive to carpooling kids here and there? And I, I did the math. It was like 60 minutes. I, for me, I found that I have 60 minutes. If you add up all the, 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 the alone time in the car, it's about an hour. And for an hour, you can listen to a lot of the Bible. You can pray for a lot of your family members. You can worship a lot. And so for me, the, it's very non-religious. And at, I think this was a religious attitude, a religious spirit. I just felt a little guilty. Like, this seems so unsacred that I should be worshiping in, in my car. But it, it's become a haven. It's become a sacred place. It's become a thin place for me. And it, it, it's different for you, likely. So fine, where is your thin place? Is it is it at the park? Is it, is it a coffee shop? Is it maybe there's a, a space that you can get away during your lunch hour? Find your thin place. Let's talk about when. Now, the ultimate goal is, is ultim- it's always 24-7 communion. We want to abide with Jesus all the time. But there's something really catalytic about taking some dedicated time that launches you throughout the day. However, the Bible does not give a prescriptive, you shall wake up at 6 a.m. and spend 30 minutes. Like, it doesn't have that, but it does have lots of examples. So, for instance, in Genesis 3, it says that the Lord walked in the cool of the day, which a lot of scholars believe it was the morning time with Adam and Eve. Later on in Genesis, we have Isaac meditating on the, God's promises in evening. Daniel prayed morning, midday, night. David in the Psalms 
Some of you know this. He says, I will awaken the dawn. All right? And then, of course, we have Jesus, which the gospel writers give multiple accounts of him rising early in the morning. One of my favorite is Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. But the context for this is really fascinating. If you go back and just read the, the previous 90 verses or so, no, you won't have 90 verses. If you go back and read the previous 35 verses, <laughs> you'll, you'll see what Jesus did the day before. He taught in the synagogue. He had a, a divine encounter healing his mother-in-law, or Peter's mother-in-law. He had dinner over at his house, and then right after that, it says in the text, the whole city showed up for prayer for healing, and Jesus healed all of them. That was in the last 24 hours. Presumably, Jesus had a very, very long night before he woke up early in the morning. One commentator said, could it be, just listen to this, could it be that the intensity of the previous evening's ministry gave him an even greater urgency to be with his father in the morning? Even when his body craved more sleep, Jesus knew his true source of revitalization would not be on his back, but on his face. When we talk about the, the when, we also have to address the how long. How much is enough? 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes? Here's a principle. The more exclusive time you devote to Jesus, the more meaningful your relationship with him will be. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, which in the context is referring to, I think, yep, this is talking about generosity, financial generosity, but there's a principle here. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But there's a religious mind, landmine I want to address, and that's the one of guilt. Guilt is rooted in the satanic lie that God has somehow ticked off at you because you haven't been meeting your daily quota. Here's the truth. God is not really impressed with any of your efforts. The scriptures say our righteousness is like filthy rags. But that's why there's Jesus. The Father is 100% impressed with Jesus. And we now, for those who have put their faith in the saving work of the cross, we receive Christ's righteousness so we can have confidence and security in his acceptance of us. Bob Sorge writes in his book, Secrets of the Secret Place, when you neglect the secret place, he's not disappointed in you. He's disappointed for you. He sees the spiritual riches available to you, and his heart breaks when he watches you getting bypassed. He wants you to share in heaven's best, and he looks with wistful longing when you shortchange yourself spiritually. So instead of feeling guilty, we should feel ripped off. When circumstances or emotions are successful at robbing your secret place, don't get guilty, get indignant, he says. Let love sickness arise in your breast. Oh, Lord, I love you so much. I'm really upset at the way I've allowed the cares of this life to crowd you out. This has to stop. Things have to change. I can't live without you. I'm coming back. 
I've got to have more time with you. You are my very life, my breath. Oh, I love you, oh Lord. And then exert spiritual violence to get your priorities back in line. We've talked about the, the, the who, the what, the when, the where, why. Let's look at the, finally the how. The how. I appreciate Annie giving a, a plug for ADS. Uh, we, we do talk a lot about, it's a plug for the ADS. We do talk a lot about the, the how. We get in the mechanics of it. But remember when I said that sphere one, can we put up the graphics of, of the Sears? You remember when I said that sphere one is the fuel for, for just everything else. I believe that. It's true. It's the oil. It just fuels your discipleship. It fuels your ministry, your community. With that said, you want to know how you can enhance your sphere one? The answer is in spheres two, three, four, and five. Let me explain. You know how I learned how to study the Bible? It was when I was 16 years old, I began to meet with a small group of dudes, and there, one of them was at least 15 years older, with, uh, older than us, and we would get together weekly, and there was this D group, Sphere 2, D group, where this mentor and a bunch of peers, we would just study the word, pause, pray into it, and that, over a couple years, that fueled my ability to, to get in the word. How about worship? How did I learn to grow as a worshiper? It was coming Sunday morning, going to worship conferences. It was seeing people do things like raise their hands and bow down and de de demonstrate all sorts of postures. And I watched them pour out their affections and they were modeling to me like, oh wow, that's how you pour out your affections. I'm gonna try that. And then it was later that, wait a minute, the book of Psalms is, this is actually all in accordance with the scriptures. How did I learn how to pray? I, I really learned how to pray by going on a mission trip. When your teammates get sick and your passport's not working and you're, you got people who are demon-possessed trying to do weird curses on you, you learn how to start praying. Spheres, the rest of that stuff enhanced it. It enhanced it. So if you want to learn how to pray... Come, every Wednesday our staff prays at 9, and every Sunday Chris and Wang and a bunch of people, they pray here at 9 o'clock. Find that small group of prayer, uh, prayer time. Don't just come once. Come for six months straight. You'll learn how to pray. If you want to learn how to study the Word and really enjoy it, find a group of guys in your life group or a group of gals and say, hey, look, let's go through Ephesians. Let's, let's get in this. Let's make space for it. If you want to... Learn how to worship and pour your heart out. Get your life together. And I know a lot of them already do this, but Friday nights, hey, we're going to break bread and then we're just going to worship. So this morning's all been all about you and Jesus, pursuing God in the secret place. We've talked a lot about the why, the who, the what, the where, the when, how. My hope is that through our time this morning, there's a burning desire to start fresh. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. And while there's hopefully in you this eagerness to say, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to start, what I'd like for us to do as part of our ministry time is I'd like, actually like us to, to stop and pause. And I've, I'm sure I've thrown a lot out to you, a lot of lists. I'd like for us, just take a couple minutes, the worship team is just going to start playing, and I'd, I'd like for us to pause 
and, and, and listen, have a Selah moment. Selah in the Psalms, they think it means just to pause and reflect and ask Holy Spirit, is there, is there, is there something you're, is there this guilt you want me to del- deliver me from? Is there this thin place you want me to start going to? Is there this, this, you want me to up it up from five to 10? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, you're, you're, you're here and you're like, I, I've never given my life to Jesus. I do not know personally the Jesus that you're describing. And I want to know him because he sounds really in love with me. And I've never been loved like that before. We want to invite you to pray and give your life to Jesus. Let's stand. We're going to take a couple minutes. We don't need to rush. And let's just be still. And you can ask the Lord, how can I respond this morning, Lord, in loving obedience? And let's just be still. Let's wait on him.